0: Hey! Welcome back to Red Blue Labs. I'm super glad you're here. Today I've got something really exciting. I've got my friend Lubos here and we're going to be talking about some cyber news. I've prepared two uh, things that I found in cyber news this past week and my friend Lubos has also found uh, two uh, things that he's found in cyber news and we haven't told each other. And so today we're going to meet together and we're just going to chat about it. And, um, we got some pretty interesting things that I think that you're, you're going to enjoy quite a bit. Uh, I think Lubos, you're going to start, start yeah. us off today.
1: All right. I'm going to start off with my first piece of news. It is very IOT oriented and very hardware oriented. So quite recently arm, uh, has released new microcontroller platform. Like they, you know, their Cortex platform. They have Cortex A uh, for the microprocessors and Cortex M,
2: mm.
1: which is for microcontrollers. Uh, so they just released brand new platform called Cortex M uh, eighty five. What is very unique about this platform is that it's very uh, oriented towards IoT devices and very fast IoT devices. Uh, so. Uh, what they are doing is uh, it's very high performance core. Uh, so they claim up to 30% boost in performance compared to their previous uh, M7 cor- or Cortex-M7. Uh, so it's not just the speed, but you can do some much faster calculations as well. Uh, they the, the unique part, very unique part about this core is that they can do... Uh, they have very special set of instructions. Uh, So these instructions can actually do like a machine learning and some signal processing. Okay. So what you can do with this microcontroller is, for example, you can strap it to a piece of, uh, to like a motor, right, Uh, Mm -hmm. in in industrial setting. Okay. And it will measure the vibrations, and now using uh, machine learning, you can discern whether it needs maintenance or not. Oh really? Directly on this microcontroller. Really? Uh, Hmm. So as an IoT device, then you will upload those data to Cloud. Um, You can do visualization with it, etc. Right? So then you can decide if if within your industrial setting if uh, something needs maintenance.
0: Interesting. For the for people that are watching, if they don't know what a mic, if they've never heard of a microcontroller, right? What what is that?
1: So, microcontroller versus microprocessor is uh, is a very interesting discussion. Uh, typically, most people know about microprocessors, where you have a unit that does lots of computational. Um, you know, does does mm. um, um, in your regular computer, it's basically the the brains of your of your computer, right? Yeah. Uh, microcontroller is very similar. It will still have some processing unit within it, but it will also have the memory built directly into a chip. It will mm. also have some peripherals. So, for example, you can uh, you will have peripherals like GPIO and PWM. So these are devices that can communicate with motors. They can communicate with OLED displays and LCD displays. Oh, okay. And they these are all built directly into the chip itself. Okay. So they they will be very small, and because of that, they will also be very power efficient. Mm. So ideal for IoT devices. You know, think yeah. of these as as a device that you will use for sensing. You will you will connect it to a sensor. Mm-hmm. Um in an airplane, you will strap it to, you know it will measure temperature and, and yeah. vibrations and humidity, et etc. Yeah uh, and be very power efficient so it will run on battery for sometimes for years.
0: Really? Wow. I think most people had heard of uh, the Raspberry Pi, right. And that would be a microprocessor.
1: Uh, correct. Yeah. Yes. So microprocessors typically will run Linux on a background as, as okay. OS. Microcontrollers are typically targeting uh, embedded systems, so oh, okay. meaning they don't have operating system. Mm. Uh, they are specifically meant for single task,
0: right? Sweet. So it is a lot more, uh, like you said before, it's it's, uh, it's better on resources. So it's not going to be as, using up as much Correct. power and stuff. So you could Correct. you could roll these a microprocessor. That you've configured out into any kind of environment. Yeah, and what in your article was about um, it was about a new one, right?
1: Yeah. So these new ones, th- this new one is made by Arm. Oops. Arm. Well, it's not made. Arm doesn't actually manufacture any of mm. these. They just design uh, the framework. Yeah. And um, as you can see now, the the line between microprocessor and microcontroller is is being blurred quite a bit over the last few years. Yeah so these new microcontrollers are super fast you know they are 32-bit where historically they used to be only 8-bit systems or 16-bit systems Uh, but at the same time they are still very power efficient Um, they have uh, the peripherals uh, you know just like original microcontrollers so this one has uh, some peripherals that will do some machine learning processing for you as well oh really so historically You would have to, if you wanted to do some machine learning, you would have to upload all the data to cloud, yeah, and uh, do all the processing on your server. Mm -hmm. Now you can do some processing directly in microcontroller in hardware, not using software. Oh, really? Directly in hardware, and Mm -hmm. it will it will then just report to cloud. Um, Another unique feature is enhanced security. Right. Okay. So this is we are in cybersecurity, and as you know, IoT devices have historically been very, not very security orientated.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Let's just get it up there and yeah. Uh, let's just have the light bulbs connect.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So One of one of the reasons for that is because of the availability of some of these mm. technologies that will help you secure the the microcontroller. Yeah. So this uh, Cortex M85 has what is known as ARM Trust Zone. Okay. So now you can actually tra- you can separate on hardware level trusted peripherals from untrusted peripherals, trusted piece of memory inside from untrusted piece of memory also from, hmm. from processing, etc. So you will have these zones of trust that are typically established through cryptography. Yeah, and you know it will actually do some cryptography for you, it might do some hashing for you, uh, and you know, you can establish validity of your firmware, firmware etc. Yeah, directly in a chip itself. Wow. So that, that's new. Uh, you know, the significance of this is that uh, you can now do the machine learning and have a secure platform directly on the microcontroller.
0: That's, that's, and then from what I'm hearing from you, the, the significance there is that a microcontroller is, is it's more affordable, uses less resources, and now we can actually do with the with the new Cortex, right? Yep. We can actually do machine learning, um, actually on the hardware itself. Sure. Previously, we had to act, the data had to get uploaded to the cloud, and then the learning had to happen through there. Yep. And from my my knowledge on machine learning, is that it's it's actually quite resource heavy. Yep. It's just like churning through it, boom, boom, absolutely. Learn, 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 learn. Absolutely. Learn.
1: So, because of that, when you are uploading some data for machine learning into a cloud, it, that was lots of communication between the yeah. IoT device uh, and the cloud. So, because of that, you are also using lots of lots more resources on a on a data side. Yeah. Um, which turns into higher power consumption, yeah, etc. So now you can do it directly on a chip.
0: What, that's great because. <laughs> it there's like there you're making you're having savings right away
2: yeah
0: you're 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 getting it done that machine learning right away yeah and so I can I can see right away the the benefit of, and then the the trusted zones what would you what do you use those trusted zones for like you got you said peripherals but yep. where what would be an untrusted peripheral in a microcontroller
1: so specifically for peripherals you know um OLED display, you don't necessarily need it to be um, a trusted peripheral because mm-hmm. you are just outputting some data onto a small OLED display oh, okay. directly on the device. But if you are communicating with EEPROM, with with external memory, for example, mm. right, you want that to be trusted. You want to you want to ensure that there is uh, some cryptography involved. Oh, okay. Uh, because otherwise, adversary could just populate New code, new firmware into an external memory,
0: uh, and upload it directly into a core. Okay.
1: And your core will never know. So this is uh, uh, one of the most important security features of modern IoT devices: is the uh, secure boot, right? Yep. Your your secure boot or your bootloader needs to ensure that the firmware is trusted and is valid uh,
0: okay. before
1: you start it. So this is right during the boot up.
0: Right. And, oh, okay.
1: And uh, the trust trusted zone, and there are other there are other chips that can accomplish this for you. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in 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 a second piece of news. Yeah. Later today, but uh, um, you know, it's um, um, it's it's extremely important to establish that trust of that firmware. Okay. That
0: now it makes sense because I was I was I was curious what is that what is trusted and what's untrusted for a microcontroller. And really what you're saying is that it depends, correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of depends on like what data is coming in and out. Right. So If I'm just spitting stuff out onto a screen, yeah. it doesn't really matter because that data is leaving the microcontroller. Exactly. But if I'm gonna be bringing data in and I'm gonna be doing work on it and then shipping that data off somewhere else, I need to make sure that that data that I'm retrieving is hasn't been compromised in that's, some way.
1: That's absolutely an excellent, uh, <laughs> excellent comparison.
0: <laughs> there you go, okay. I mean. Where do you think uh, this is a big question? Are you ready? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I I can see microcontrollers becoming like much bigger. You know, like the regular people can use a microprocessor. Right. Like you can buy Raspberry Pi and yeah. do whatever, and those are super cool. Uh, where do you see in the, like the next five years microcontrollers like the impact on right. the industry world wherever? Like, right.
1: so I think I, I truly believe that the the biggest Impact will be on variables
2: mm-hmm.
1: and IoT devices. IoT devices are are really booming, and they have uh, maybe a bit of a bad reputation mm. uh, because of the because of the security issues. Yeah, and you can see that many manufacturers are now trying to um, to address these issues. Yeah, which is uh, fantastic. Uh, so I think in IoT devices maybe will be the biggest leap.
0: Okay. Because IoT things are coming out all the time, yeah. and we're throwing, we're putting all kinds of stuff onto networks, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, without, and I would say, arguably, without thinking about security from the beginning.
1: Right, right. So, um, especially in sort of a, a DIY world, um, mm. it, it's a big issue. You know, you go out there and you buy something online. You never know what kind of data it will leak from your network. Yeah, you just automatically buy it and you put it on your network and and trust it that it's not going to, it's not going to leak any of your information. yeah, but that's not necessarily true. Uh, there is a whole different world of um, industrial IoT devices that mm-hmm. have been around for a while and historically they are much more secure. They, they, yeah. uh, you know, because they are professionally designed, typically designed by specifically for a certain purpose. Okay. Um, uh, not really meant for. Regular consumer, mm. uh, so they will have much higher uh, security protocols and, yeah, yeah. and, and uh, you know, so, and uh, they will be much more security conscious. Yeah, where regular consumer devices are not.
0: Because they just want to get it in people's hands. Correct. Yeah. Huh. Correct. Interesting. Uh, what else? What other question I got for you? I got. Okay, I got a a story for you, and it's. I want to know if this is. In the IoT range,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, I can't name names, obviously, um, but it's a story that I heard from somebody that I trust, and they they were talking about how there was a company uh, who were they're bidding on some all kinds of contracts, and they're consistently consistently being outbid by a particular competitor that was over in a, in a different country. Okay,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, they they couldn't figure out uh, where they were getting outbid and was this gonna happen? Because the only way it could happen is if there was being a leak somewhere. Right. So they interviewed everybody, they did everything, everything they could. And what they did after a bunch of uh, research was they discovered that they had purchased a bunch of mice, USB mice, that had um, a type of malware or, or chip that was installed into the mouse that was calling back to a command and control server over in the country where these things were built. Uh, and the data that was being on the on that company's systems was was now living over in this command and control server over in that other country. Are those mice? Would you consider those mice sort of like an IoT
1: thing? The, uh, I wouldn't call them IoT device, but okay. uh, but this this is very much related to uh, firmware analysis and and, and compromised firmware, okay. which is tightly. Um, it goes tightly hand-in-hand hand with IoT devices and the yeah. security, right? Mm. Um, as I mentioned, you need to have secure boot. That means you need to trust your firmware. Yeah. If you don't trust your firmware, uh, then anybody can really do any anything to it, you know, do any modifications. Yeah. It's not that hard to take off firmware or extract firmware off of existing device, mm-hmm. do modification to it and upload it back. Right. Uh, so secure boot will ensure that the verification happens during the boot up, okay. and it will actually not start compromised firmware.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: so this, uh, um, however, if that firmware comes directly from the manufacturer and it's manufactured with compromised firmware right yeah. right off the bat, that's something that is really hard to discover unless mm. you are actually monitoring our traffic. Yeah. Right.
0: Okay. So all all that being said, we. IOT, microcontrollers, they will use firmware to talk between hardware. Right. Uh, so you have to be careful where you get it. And really, <laughs> you got to be uh, careful where you trust. I mean, you might have gotten a, a $2 mouse yep. off the internet, but in the end, they lost hundreds of thousands of dollars because exactly. they're outbid. Exactly. Right? And I'm, I'm confident they, they were able to, to – I don't know exactly how they did it, but I know how I'd find it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it would be watching the network traffic because right. it has to go, has to travel somewhere. Absolutely. Um, and Wireshark would yeah. find weird stuff. So
1: here you can see that there is many different layers uh, to to security when it comes yeah, yeah. to your company. You just you're not just looking at the firmware. You're not just looking at isolated blocks. You are looking yeah. at the security as a as an umbrella of, yeah. of different topics.
0: Yeah. Cool. Uh, I found an article by Krebs, and he does his Krebs on Security is, is his blog, and he's a really he's a really respected person in the security world. Um, and the the topic that he was talking about that I when I saw him like oh my goodness this is nuts, is that currently in our in our our space that we have right now in the world uh, there's there's a there's some messed up stuff happening. We've got wars happening, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there is a brain drain currently happening in Russia mm-hmm. so there's I think they reported um, 70 to 100,000 people are vacating they're leaving Russia and they a lot of these people are very educated uh, a lot of them are actually in the IT space and so what's happening is that people that are good with IT are moving and they're as the article would say, they are moving to places like United States, Germany, uh, Cyprus, and actually Canada is another place that people are emigrating to. Um, so what what they're doing, and I don't know if you've heard of this. Have you heard of this one? No, no? I haven't. Okay. Um, there is a, a policy that's happening that, that they're putting in place where they're actually going to penitentiaries. And they are... Um, Having the people that are convicted and they are serving time there, that they're going to be going and doing IT work for, as they would say, domestic companies.
1: So, people in penitentiaries, so so prisons, right? Yep. They uh, they are doing work within a security realm.
0: They it doesn't say security. Okay. It just says uh, domestic companies. Okay. So. You I mean, have to read into that like what, what does what does a domestic company mean, right? Um, but there are some other things that might that you might find interesting here um, is that Alexander uh, Kabarov uh, He received proposals from businessmen in different regions uh, to involve IT specialists serving sentences in correctional centers uh, to work remotely for commercial companies. So that's I guess outsourcing it to a degree right. and they can use you can use these folks because there is, it would be really cheap, mm-hmm. right because they're already going to be in there right. And they already have programs there that, I, that I've read about where they're gonna be doing uh, labor and uh, Work like that. Mm-hmm. So instead of doing that the labor stuff they say well, you're already good at computers Now go and do this right do your computer stuff and they they're saying it's for um, To keep their skills up up to this enough Um and I'm trying not to be biased, but I would right. say, <laughs> I would say that there's um, there is probably a probability that there's there might be using those skills for something else. Right. Uh, because in the news, we've also and I've I blogged about this about how we're going to be seeing a lot of reports of uh, Russian attacks,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, specifically cyber attacks. Right. Um. And I mean, those folks that were really skilled at with IT stuff and cyber things. They are being imprisoned. Um, there is, there has been reports that the, uh, these people have been unjustly imprisoned, um, and so they would have, they would have the skills to, if they, if, if Russia wanted to, kind of weaponize this workforce, potentially using it that way.
1: Right.
0: Uh, there was one other thing here. Uh, so there's the uh, Sergei Biryukov is the deputy chairman of Russia's uh, Duma, Russian Duma's Committee on Information Policy. Mm-hmm. So he's a, he's a big, he's a big wig up Right, up so up in the
1: government, um, yeah. probably taking care of the, 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 the security policies. Yes.
0: Um, who is, it's also proven that he's also a, a huge uh, Putin supporter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he is, um, this is a, to quote him, uh, since they will work there, it will probably be right to give people with a profession that allows them to work remotely not to lose their qualifications. Um uh, was quoted as saying a potentially qualified inmates. At a minimum, these proposals is worth this proposal is worth attention to discussion if there are a lot of such specialists. Um, and so there's some key words in there that right. we're we're hearing.
1: So so I guess the question would be would this be happening even if they didn't really have a brain? the the migration of people, you know, from oh. is this is this just uh it, it was this driven by that by the fact or uh, would this have happened anyway?
0: That's a great question, because the re- the the resources are still there, right? Right, the the inmates will be there and they will have the IT skills, uh, and maybe they were being tapped into already, and now it's just finally making it out to broader news
1: that's that's a good point because we don't really know what has been happening up until now right because yeah. this, this almost seems obvious yeah right yeah um, i don't know what uh so i guess bigger question that this would lead to what do you think is is this or what is your opinion is this ethical you know from the oh. ethics standpoint is it ethical to to use skilled professionals um for you know that are already imprisoned is it ethical to use them for uh, their skills
0: that's a good question i think for for me personally um if somebody's skilled at at something then i think it's okay to have them continue using that skill as long as it's not being pointed in a direction that is um for somebody else's Unethical game, right? So if somebody is really good at offensive security turns out they're imprisoned yeah. and uh, The government comes in and says well now you're gonna you're gonna be doing offensive security You you annoyed us before and that's why we put you in jail <laughs> And now I'd like you to take that skill and point it towards our enemy. I would say that would be wrong,
1: right? Uh, but that's uh, reg- That's wrong regardless of who you use so those people are being just used as a tool Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's not the fact that they are imprisoned that makes it un- unethical, is that what I'm understanding?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it depends on how somebody uses that tool yeah. right? It, that makes it either ethical or not
0: that's right similar
1: yeah. to similar to ethics within penetration testing right it's yeah totally it's uh, you can either use it for good or you can use it for for um, nefarious reasons
0: yeah well I liken it I liken it to um, port scanning and I think about when you're doing port scanning you're, you're you can use it for good and you can use it for bad you know good I want to know what the assets are on my network um, bad would be I want to figure out what what assets are what their services are what their vulnerabilities are where how I can get into that that system um, that would be probably the bad way right but you know it's, it's kind of like a hammer I liken it I liken port scanning to a hammer yeah. I can use a hammer to go and build a fort and it looks great I use the hammer I use the exact same hammer to go down the street and smash windows yep. on cars and steal whatever right it's not the tools fault <laughs> <laughs> it's out it's a person that was using that using that tool so that and it's what I, another thing that was interesting, and that Krebs had pointed out, was that the the the, the people that were making these statements um, about the inmates, they're saying that we don't know what their what their IT skills are. Right. Uh, personally, I think that's bunk.
1: Oh, they. Uh, They'd I, have I, to know. I'm pretty sure they are profiled really well.
0: Yeah, you You're not going to go into a random crowd of people and say, "Oh, how do you how do you." Have, how do you deal with microcontrollers? <laughs> and then people, would whether they going to volunteer it, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe if we get them out of some less desirable work, maybe. Yeah.
1: But it's interesting because in Russia, uh, there is this whole culture, I think, that is much bigger than in North America mm. for, for um, um, like DIY creation of their own tool, whether they are software or hardware oh, yeah. So I think that creates much more potential for uh, exploitation of these tools. Yeah. So I think I think it's much more common to have people with really high skills, really high knowledge in in IT and cybersecurity that yeah. are not professionally trained, but have been working with it for years. Right.
0: Well, that's a good point. Uh,
1: I, I think yeah, it's, yeah. I, I think it's more common than in North America. Here. Hmm. Um, I've had discussion with a good friend of mine uh, who grew up in Russia, and he was talking about the fact that they were always creating these tools, soft on on a software side, mm. um, to help them with whatever task needed to be done, um, just because there there were they didn't have resources to go out and buy professional tools. Interesting, right? So because the, the the resources huh. are lesser. In as a general statement, right? So yeah. people, the people are very highly skilled in um, in IT.
0: Yeah, that's 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 super interesting because that's that's very different than in North America. Yeah,
1: you can also see it in a, in in hardware. When I was growing up in Eastern Europe, um, I, almost everybody I knew were somehow involved with DIY, whether that was electronics or or otherwise. Hmm. Um, where here it's um, sort of a dying skill to a certain degree.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: So, do you think, coming back to your uh, news, uh, do you think this could be utilized in Canada?
0: Oh, you mean uh, uh, skilled IT people that are imprisoned? Right. Well, that's a good question. I mean, I. I think that, yeah, I think that it could be, could be used. But then again, it still comes back to the question on what is it being used for? Yeah. If is it, if it, is it being, are we training that using people to actually be like, you know, like help desk or something? Right. Right. That'd be great. Yeah. Great tool. Uh, It'd be good if they're paid fairly for their, for their labor, for their work.
1: I, I think that's a I think that's a big part being paid for your labor and being treated as a part of society, yeah. Um, versus the exploitation part of it, right? Yes. Um, you know we have lots of infrastructure now for work from home. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think that the the remote work is really an issue these days. Um, right. I, I think it's an untapped market to a certain degree in North America. Yeah. Uh, that uh, that could be utilized for good, you know, on the on the ethical yeah. side. Yeah.
0: When Krebs mentions also in this article that it's uh, Russia, China, and America of all the inmates and people that are imprisoned globally, those three have half of it. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Right? And America is like
1: pfft, I'm actually way yeah, I'm up actually there. Not not surprised, but um I don't really wanna get into why that is. Uh, yeah. You know, those, those are per- perhaps more political than yeah. Uh, reasons. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I do believe that it could be, if it is properly structured, if the policies are there, yeah. it could be utilized to have a huge benefit for society.
0: Yeah. So all that being said, I mean, this this, this article, what I found really intriguing about it is that it, it does talk about IT and how and the site cy- that cyberspace and how people can can use it for ill or for good, but how even even uh, the cyberspace impacts politics, impacts policies, impacts our everyday, um, and it's the impact is everywhere. Yeah, really.
1: Yeah, I think the really big thing here is to ensure, uh, and I'm not sure if we as a as, a, as a regular people can do anything about it. Yeah, well, we can. Through voting, voting, but mm. um, you know, ensuring that policies are there, that the yeah. checks and balances are are in place.
0: Yeah, totally. Awesome. Do you want to go show yeah. me your next article? Yeah,
1: so so we'll switch back to to a bit of a hardware here, okay. um, and I already alluded about this before. Um, you know how I mentioned that historically the DIY hardware or DIY IoT devices mm-hmm. uh, were not as secured. So now I've just recently, in fact, this piece of hardware hasn't been released yet, but they announced it. Um, do you know company Arduino? Yes. You've probably have heard of them, yep. right? So Arduino just, uh, just uh, mentioned what they are and what they do is it's a company that creates an open source hardware based on microcontrollers. Um, And it's a a platform for, specifically meant for DIY experimentation. Yeah, And so so hobbyists. Cool. And uh, the way they do it, the way they target hobbyists is that they created this really easy to handle environment Mm. for, for programming, right? Microcontrollers have been historically uh quite difficult to program. Mm.
2: Uh it,
1: there is lots of steps to, that go into it because you are working directly with the hardware with the core mm. uh, inside so you have to set up registers, you have to you know set up settings. Yeah. You are dealing with lots of decisions before you even start programming in C, right? Right. Uh, so what they've done is they created an environment um, their own IDE where you don't have to worry about any of that, right? You really? just go in and you start programming and that's it, right? Then you upload it
0: wow, and wow. it basically
1: works. Yeah. Right? So it's very accessible uh, to to DIY hobbyists.
0: That's, that's nice.
1: Uh, the problem has been that, um, A, they didn't really have too many devices targeting IoT mm. space. And they, because of, they were targeting sort of a cheaper devices. Yeah. Um, they didn't have security features in them, right? Okay. So this made uh, the IoT and specifically secure IoT
0: mm-hmm.
1: somewhat inaccessible to hobbyists. Yeah. So they announced they announced new platform. They actually got together. With a company called, um, sorry, I have to find it here. No Foundries.io. Okay. And so these two companies got together, and they created a platform specifically targeting IoT space.
2: Hmm.
1: And um, but still hobbyist, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this new, their new board is called uh, Portenta X8. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. Yeah, whatever. For Tenta X8, and um, it is an IoT device, so it has Wi-Fi and Bluetooth directly on it. Okay. It has both microcontroller and microprocessor on it. That really? means, so microprocessor is running at 1.8 gigahertz, or yep. microcontroller is running at 480 mi- uh, megahertz, so much slower, Yeah. Uh, which is 480 megahertz for... Um microcontroller is still really fast. Yeah, they used to be up to about thirty two megahertz was sort of oh, a norm because
0: it doesn't need much exact micro- right. microcontroller you know,
1: precisely. Um, and that helps you with that power consumption as well. Yeah. Uh, so now on this board, you have both microcontroller and microprocessor where microcontroller would be used for, uh, for the peripherals, right? So you can talk to motors, so you can yeah. have sensors, you can measure temperature, mm. and have OLED displays. Yeah. Uh, where microprocessor would be more for crunching the numbers, right? If mm. you, when you need really fast data processing. Yeah. Uh, mm. uh, but they also have a dedicated cryptographic chip on it, oh. so. In this one, uh, they are using older Cortex M4-based um, core, so microcontroller, uh, as we mentioned before, the, the newest one is M85, they are using M4, which is little older core, yeah. still in Cortex uh, family, uh, so it doesn't have all the cryptography or cryptographic functions within it, mm. uh, so they are using external crypt- uh, cryptographic chip. Okay. This is not necessarily new. There has been devices that have had that. In fact, I have one right here. Uh, this one is built on. It's an IoT device built on Cortex M0 um, microcontroller. Cool. So the the big chip in the center there, right there, is in a, is uh, is the microcontroller, and then you have a small chip called. Um, uh, it's a it's a crypt- cryptographic chip. So what it does oh, yeah? is it will save your cryptographic keys. So typically for an IOT device, you would have a communication with a cloud.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, to enable TLS, you need mm-hmm. to have cryptographic keys, ideally. Yep. And you want to store them in in a safe manner. Yeah. So that's what the cryptographic chip will do for you. It will also do some oh, hashing okay. for you. It will do verification of the firmware for you, etc.
0: Awesome. So it's 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 for that security part piece. It's it's it sounds like it's soundly handling a problem that IoT has had for a while. Correct. Like that and you mentioned TLS. Yeah. That asymmetric um, encryption that we've got right. with that um, process. Yeah. That's really important and the keys are stored and there's hashing that happens directly on the chip.
1: Correct. So so cool. um, again, these chips have been around, but yep. they haven't really been accessible. So mm. the, the significance of these Portenta X8 is that they are making it accessible to, to hobbies. Yeah. Um, so now hobbies and DIY can, people can um, experiment with the actual cryptography. They can experiment with making their IoT devices secure Instead of that part or or only being left to industrial IOT
0: Yeah, when sorry uh, One thing that I I got pulled out from what you said Dubos Was lots of lots of really cool things in there Um, When you think when I think of microcontrollers and microprocessors um, The accessibility for regular people to get into it. It's I would say easier with a microprocessor because it's it's an operating system and you're. Correct. Playing with it, right? Microcontroller, controller, as you said before, we got to like set up the registers, and if you don't know what registers are, you got a lot of learning <laughs> yeah. ahead of you. Um, but now that they they've they've sort of making it more accessible, which is the perfect word for it. Regular people can go in there and start mucking around and playing with the cryptography and playing with IoT vi- devices and making those things secure, right. which is awesome because that's what we need is people to be able to play with these things, yep. and that's where creativity happens, that's where yep. new things get birthed in yep. our in the cyber world. Um, yeah, which is so, really exciting, I think.
1: Yeah, so you're making these tools um, accessible, but also you're creating awareness of
0: this, yeah. right?
1: So, so people, now we look at it and say, hey, well, these regular IoT devices that I purchased online don't have this crypt- cryptographic chip. Yep. that that probably means that they have passwords that were not stored securely uh, they may not use tls so everything is transferred plain text um, which is super unsecure, please don't do that <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know many many people in hobbyist world would program passwords and hashes and and keys directly into their code yes which is a huge problem you don't want to do that. Oh, yes. uh, you what what you want is to have a either dedicated memory space that is within the trusted zone that we've talked about yeah. in the first piece, uh, or on stored on this cryptographic chip yeah. where they are stored properly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so then you are just retrieving them when you need to update. Yeah. Your firmware will actually take care of proper update on there um, instead of. Rewriting all the passwords directly in your code.
0: Yeah, and you we mentioned not putting passwords in your code And yeah, you shouldn't do that's terrible thing to do <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but I've literally heard of people talking about how they were dealing with uh, how programmers and developers actually literally put passwords into the code because it helped for the the development to go faster. Yeah, right and and then again, not naming names, but I've I've had conversations with IT professionals where they sat around the boardroom and they they said we've discovered that there's a there's a password that is somewhere saved in this this program, and the program is like a multi-million dollar program. It kept the whole ship running. Yeah. And the discussion went like this: We have no idea where this password is, <laughs> <laughs> and we're we're literally sitting on a time bomb. If somebody were to reverse engineer this thing. Yep. Right, and that sadly, that story isn't isn't um, siloed as that company. Like it happens all over the place, Um, which is this. That brings up a whole other topic that we could do in a whole other video uh, and and a podcast on um, laziness and proper security. You know,
1: it's it's fascinating. I'm of an opinion that microcontrollers these days are easier to. To secure. Mm. Um, you know, you have somewhat siloed, you have somewhat um, separated environment from everything else yeah. that you program once. You don't have regular people just coming in and playing around with your file yeah. system because there is no file system, right? You just program yeah. it, and it and it works. Um, however, with microcontrollers, it's fairly easy to a certain degree uh, to actually extract the firmware off of okay. it. Uh, so historically, the biggest issue has been the actual problem of extraction of the firmware. Yeah. Then you run it through something like Ghidra uh, yeah. and you can extract the, the keys.
0: Oh, interesting. So yeah.
1: now the, uh, the external cryptographic chip, chip or the trust zone in the new Cortex mm-hmm. M85, you can actually separate that, and, and, and uh, you know these keys may be hashed further, or, or there might be uh, different ways of, yeah. of dealing with it.
0: Okay, I got a question for you, Lubos. Right. If I look back historically, and you you know let's go let's travel back in time to like the '90s, <laughs> all right? And if I were to take my knowledge, our knowledge now, and go back to the '90s. We could have a heyday, right? We could just go nuts. Um, And the folks that were hacking back in that day, they were extremely smart, and they were like things were wide open, uh, but they were able to use. They were they were making their own code for more code uh, execution. You know, they were they were at the right at the forefront, and they were doing things that were complicated in a time when things were wide open. And now we've got things that are the we're more aware, and things are getting more secure. But now there's more tools available yep. that make hacking and whatever um, more, and I'm going to use the word accessible. So like Metasploit, for example, yep. right? You launch, you bring it up, set up the remote host, set up the local host, set up the remote port, bing, bang, boom. Now you've got a shell on the system. And who knows <laughs> and There was no, who knows how it happened, but magically Metasploit yep. did it for us, right? Yep. Here's the question for you. The bringing microcontroller and microprocessor into the same the same zone uh, and then making it with its own IDE, as you mentioned,
2: mm-hmm.
0: making it more accessible, do you think that that means that we're going to have uh, uh, that kind of knowledge is just going to be more accessible we're going to see the development of ways that people are going to compromise this thing because it's easier? And I put that in quotations. Right. 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 What do you think about that?
1: so i absolutely believe that um anytime people create systems doesn't matter how secure they are somebody else will be able to crack it yeah just just by the fact that it was created by people yeah um what i like about systems like arduino is uh, that people that are using these systems can focus Directly on the core functionality, or I shouldn't call it core fun- functionality, um, the outside functionality of exactly what they wanted to do, instead mm. of dealing with the settings, dealing with mm. with um, all the setup that goes into programming microcontrollers ahead of time. Yeah. Right. So they just go and pick it up. They don't have to learn the new knowledge right from the ground up. They can take their knowledge from regular computers and just start programming in C or C++.
0: Which is cool, and I'm excited about that.
1: Um, But on the other hand, um, myself, I do get excited about the setup of directly working with the hardware. You know, being that, you know, having that intimate connection with your hardware and and making Mm -hmm. decisions about how fast it's running, what peripherals do you actually turn on and turn off? Yeah. Do you actually prevent it from uh, uh, communicating with motors, like some of the peripherals will yeah. be shut off? Uh, do you, when making decision about what peripherals are trusted and which ones are not, you are making the decision that instead of somebody else for you. Yeah. Um, my, um, you know, my Comparison would be picking up an Apple device that just works
2: mm-hmm.
1: versus Linux that you have to learn and yeah. you, you, you know you are <clears throat> you, working with it every day and and have to do change every setting, but have access to every setting, right? Yeah, and there is market for both. Yeah, so there is there is definitely people that love their devices for being a tool and they pick it up and it works
2: where
1: mm-hmm. there is people that like to put their hammer together from scratch right yeah yeah so
0: well, it sounds like there's a, there's an element of security and then when i'm when i link it back to microcontrollers control, and microprocessors that the there has to be an an intentionality
1: absolutely uh, and you know uh, again in a as a microcontroller, as a as an example, uh, there is lots of settings that you can do that will either turn on some of these security features and yeah or not. Yeah. Uh, so and we can you know we can have a again full podcast just on that. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. And and we should. Yeah, totally. So, but some people don't really care necessarily about that. They just want to say, hey, make my microcontroller secure and I will take
0: care of the rest Yeah, totally. um the same thing for other other concepts in security with that intentional mindset you know when yeah. you're building a when you're building out your firewall I'm intentionally allowing this traffic to go out yeah. I'm intentionally allowing this traffic to come back in um, what are some anomalies do I want that to exist etc cetera, etc cetera, right right and we have to that the same that same thing floats around all around in security yeah uh, which is I think that something that we could in general learn from
1: absolutely and bring absolutely.
0: to businesses because a lot of people you know there was a story of a uh, this was fairly recent this was like maybe two or three months ago and it was a, a water plant that was hacked in the state somewhere yes right? right and somebody broke in hacked in and got uh, raise the pH level, raised or lowered the pH level of the water for the entire town, right? And then they went through it, and they did the research, and they figured out that it was because somebody had not changed the default password on a critical uh, firewall into that organization, into that facility, which is terrible.
1: <laughs> so how do you prevent- Intentionality, right? Yeah. You know, you you know more about firewalls than I do, and and you would deal with it much more. How do you prevent something like that?
0: Oh, well, you know, it has to go from the ground the ground up. You got to, in my opinion, you have to plan out what is this, what is my infrastructure? And, you know, they they had their infrastructure. I mean, it was not it was probably working for years, and probably got to a point it was working, and then everybody stepped back, hey, don't don't touch it. It's working, <laughs> right? um but thinking about what what is this firewall doing who who has access to it Somebody from the pub, from the public internet was able to to poke that firewall from the outside right why is that why was that able to happen yeah. where was the where was the uh defense in depth you know they may have gone past that first firewall where was the next one where was the next one tick 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 right so that what i would say is you need to be thinking about what What is your security solution doing? What is the defense in depth? Um, and, I mean, change the default password yeah. <laughs> as well, because that is extremely easy. Google, <laughs> So it's, uh, it,
1: I, I really believe this is an interesting discussion for, um, I, I think there's a bit of a push um, towards going passwordless mm-hmm. for some of these reasons, right? This, mm-hmm. is, this is one of them. Um, yeah, so, is it possible for software or hardware for example a firewall to be shipped with unique passwords like every piece that they that they create mm. whether that's a software or hardware to be shipped with uh, with unique password
0: i would say it has to be <laughs> right they're manufacturing somewhere i would think that they'd be able to they they they're able to put the default one in there um why they are not already I would speculate because it's cheaper. I bet it. Com- I bet it comes down to cost.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that it's cheaper just to punch out ten thousand whatever pieces mm-hmm. of hardware with a blank password because I've seen that mm-hmm. on routers too, where it's yeah. just like pff, there's nothing, <laughs> admin, admin, mm-hmm. kind okay. of thing, right? And then, I mean, and then software, right? Too. Yep. The firmware's got to be put in there at some point during that process. Yeah.
1: So this is a uh, bit of a segue back to IoT devices here. Um, it is possible. In fact, it's recommended these days that each piece of IoT device will be shipped with different password. And mm. how they do that is when you request those chips, those cryptographic chips, yeah. uh, from manufacturer, they will preload them with unique, uh, unique passwords, unique keys, etc. Yeah. So that that guarantees. Each That's one. cool each one of those devices to be unique.
2: Yeah,
0: we're making we're making our way into getting better IT, IoT in the bush.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well in, in industrial setting, as you can see, you you know you what you just mentioned in the industrial setting yeah. it's extremely important to, to, yeah. to have a secure access.
0: You know, in fifteen years, we're gonna look back on this time, um, just like we're looking back on the nineties, how everything was open. Yeah. We're gonna look back in the to this time where IoT it was open. And we we could have we could do whatever we want because I've I've heard stories of like uh, botnets of just fridges, <laughs> right? Yeah, which is nuts and fascinating at the, at the same yeah. time.
1: Yeah. All right. All uh, right. Do you have second article?
0: I do. This one's I've, I thought this one was really interesting. It is again. It's kind of on on, a, on the ethics topic because I, I I feel like ethics and. Uh, cyber go hand at hand. Yeah. Uh, but this is uh, very recently. Uh, there is in China they have their version of Twitter, mm-hmm. where you can get on there and you can chat and do whatever, say whatever you want, right? Uh, say whatever you want. <laughs> I, I put that
1: With, within a certain degree. <laughs> within a
0: certain degree. Uh, but they're I think it's Sina Weibo. I might not be pronouncing that right. Uh, but they they publicly announced that they are. Going to release the ip addresses of all of the users that uh use their stuff so it will be the public ip addresses it'll be also narrowed down to regions and the purpose of this and this is the best this is the best part uh, is to ensure that people are being honest and nice <laughs> that's 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 it right um and um, which is which is perfect right um and it's called it's called the IP territorial territorial function upgrade. <laughs> oh, I'm glad we're laughing about it because it's it's actually pretty sad for the the netizens over in China because now there's just another way for things to be uh, modified and watched watched over, right? Yeah. Um, the when when you think about IP addresses, though, right? We we can we probably both know ways to counter that you know right. using a VPN would be would be one way. The problem is that uh, over in China, the government has made it illegal to use uh, VPNs. However, they choose to enforce it, I'm not sure totally.
1: Well, it was probably for a reason, right? They, yeah, they, they don't want any IP address spoofing. They don't want any you know masking of anything.
0: Yeah, and it's it's still gonna happen, right? People are still gonna do it. Um, and there was a re- somebody made a good comment, and it was. Um, this this art this article interviewed a professor somewhere in the States and they they talked about IP addresses and he said well you know those are easily faked you can actually you can do your VPN whatever and do get away with it whatever but the big problem is that it is it's also a psychological thing you know you go onto the tool and now you know that your location is publicly available yeah right It might not be that they can actually go in there and knock on your door and say, what are you doing saying that about about our government? But it's the psychological impact, which is bigger than just releasing IP addresses.
1: So speaking of psychological impact, um, do you think that just a regular grandma and grandpa may have that uh, awareness of uh, of the fact that somebody's watching over them?
0: I would say no.
1: No, because yeah. this is mostly you know when talking about psychological impact. This this will probably mostly be people that know something about IT. Right? That's right,
0: or know enough to sign up for a VPN and what we could use. What you why you would want to bother yeah. with a VPN or what is how we can use the the Tor network to actually traverse and receive information. But there's going to be a lot of people that don't know that. Yeah, right, and we'll just use it and. Ah, the information would be available and released for the purpose of stopping dissent. Like it's, is to keep people right. nice. Was the word right verbiage?
1: So, so philosophical question here. Mm. Um, if people live in a society where this is normalized, yeah, do you think they're going to care, or are they going to be? um really thinking about the impact of this or is it mostly us who live on the outside of the society and see oh. in that we are more and I I want to be careful about how I say this blown yeah. out of proportions right yeah. like are we north americans making a bigger deal than they actually think it is internally oh. right
0: that's a good point uh, because we we would, as a person in, in North America, I I do view other parts of cyberspace with different shades. Absolutely. Right. Uh, and I come at it from my own philosophy, my own beliefs, uh, and so for some people there, it would be that's just the norm, right? The government yeah. should have the right to look at my IP address and know and know everything that I'm saying.
1: Yeah, it's it's just so normalized that they, yeah. they, they don't even understand anything outside of that realm, right? They, yeah. that, it's just a day-to-day for them.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the interesting things about, about the internet in general. Like, yeah. internet is fascinating, really. Like, that's another whole topic, like just the, the whole intricacies of it. But it does make things accessible and available, right? I can go over and I can see uh, a Twitter of somebody in China posting a video of the the lockdowns. Yep. Yeah. I would never be able to get Absolutely. that without somebody putting on their camera. And
1: Absolutely, we are all that, right? we are all connected because of that, and it sort of permeates the whole fabric of yeah of all societies, right? It's uh, and it can really be used to skew your perceptions. Yeah, right. It can improve your perceptions, but it can really yeah damage them and skew them.
0: Yeah, totally. I
1: don't know how you use them?
0: It seems like because they're they're. The way the articles spin, because there's this obvious spin on this article, because it's written by somebody in North America, right? <laughs> uh, and I'm aware of that. Uh, I'm also, I'm also aware that I have, I'm probably leaning towards what this article, the vibe that they're giving, right? Um, but it seems like an impossible thing to stop information from getting in. You know, like if the if people are determined enough to get that information, then they'll get it right they'll do the vpns they'll do the tour they go on those illegal forums that has data from wherever and information has an interesting way of just spreading around
1: oh absolutely right it's uh i would compare it to somewhat to communism in you know 70s 80s in, Mm. in eastern europe yeah uh there was Always, uh, people were getting um, this special broadcast called uh, Radio Free Europe, right? And people in each oh, yeah. block were listening to it. Radio
0: Free Europe. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: I I believe that's what it it was called. Don't quote me on that. But okay. uh, there there were, there was a specific radio. Um, I believe it was broadcast from London, okay. and people people the, for government there is no way of stopping it. No, it was illegal to listen to it, mm. but you know people would still go and hide and and listen to it. It's, it's just there is there is nothing you can do about yeah. stopping the radio waves from propag- propagating into your land. Right? Yeah. Um, so I I think this is somewhat similar, even though uh, the hardware that supports it or supports internet can be more regulated than than something that goes over yeah. Air, right?
0: yeah there was another comment in in this uh, piece that i found uh, and you may not have heard about do i'm not i'm not pronouncing it right I'm sorry to everybody do yin d-o-u-y-i-n uh, but we would know about it we would know it as TikTok. tock yeah okay, okay. um very recently, um, they they put out a piece. Let me just get it, bring it up here. Um, they asked their users last week to report anybody that uh, had a criticism of the government or its policies, which is fascinating mm-hmm. for a an a, an application that and company that's so big. And it's used by so many people. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if that went out to people in North America. <laughs> I, I kind of doubt it, uh, but it definitely did go out to folks in China. And say if somebody's saying that's against the government, report them. Right. Which is right. Comes back to the ethics, the ethics thing. And if they are controlling that application, and if it's a government government-owned organization, I'd have to do a little bit more research on that. What's that's this is free information that they can collect, and it's being used by other millions of other people across the planet, right? Yeah.
1: Where dude, they click that
0: I accept all policies thing, yeah. most people don't go.
1: Exactly right. Accept, right? Yeah, so, it's, it's troubling. It's it's yeah. troubling the, the this whole policies, um, and it, it's not just in IT, by generally speaking, policies and and politics can can really. Have a damaging impact on on everyday life yeah. of, of
0: everyone. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's kind of my that was my second article. Those ones two Those two really stood out to me because I, I I'm really interested in that cyberspace, but I'm also interested in the the impact to the global yeah. world in general because it, they touch each other and they will. Impact each other to some degree, right? Yeah,
1: this is this is what I like about cybersecurity, is because mm. it really touches our everyday lives all the time. Yeah, especially now that we are so interconnected with the with internet and hardware and the wearables and IOT and yeah. and we have devices coming online, millions of devices coming online every day. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's the cybersecurity realm is extremely important. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be studied further, and it's it's a topic that will never go away.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on this video today with my friend Luboš, uh, myself Andrew. We talked about uh, uh, Russia, China. We talked about microcontrollers, microprocessors. We talked about all kinds of really interesting things. Um, stay tuned because I, I feel like we're going to be doing doing this kind of thing again, and we we can only get better.